and so let's for the adult class now let's stay in the, in the word of God and get over in the book of Hebrews please in the book of Hebrews we're going to the first chapter we started a couple what three weeks ago I guess in studying the book of Hebrews we got we're down now into the third verse we're going back to the third verse but we're going to read those first three verses Hebrews do you remember what I told you what Old Testament book is is equivalent to the book of Hebrews? Somebody remember? Leviticus. Leviticus. You study the book of Leviticus, it gives you the law and the way it laid out. And then, of course, Hebrews talks about sacrifices, but it's the supreme sacrifice the Lord has come. And uh, it's, the, it's the Hebrews is the uh, Leviticus of the Old Testament. And sacrifice, and we praise the Lord this morning for His goodness. Now let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter 1, and notice the first word of the book of Hebrews chapter uh, 1 is God, who at sundry times, that means many times, uh, uh, you know, different random times, various times, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past, or time past, under the fathers by the prophets. Remember the prophets? Amen. Now that's how he used to speak. Amen. He used to speak to the prophets in the Old Testament. He used the prophets, the priests, the kings to relay and convey his thoughts because they didn't have a full copy of the Word of God. So God used the prophets. They couldn't get up and tell you what the book of Jude says or what the book of Peter said, or what the book of John said. So God used the prophets. We didn't have a complete Bible in the Old Testament. So what's happened? God used the prophets. And then he said, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. How does God speak today now? By his Son. Amen. And you remember the Son is the written word and he's the living word. Amen. When he's on the earth, he was the walking uh, word of God that was manifest. He's God in the flesh, has been, and always will be. Never was there a time that Jesus did not exist. He's always been. He's eternal. So it says, Hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. He's not only that, but he's the creator. And he's kept everything in running. And in accordance, amen, this morning. I do praise the Lord for all this. And I give him a glory. Now in verse 3, he said, Who being, uh, uh, being the brightness of his glory. We talked about that last week. He's the brightness of the glory of God. You can't get any brighter in Christ. He's the brightness of the glory of God. Amen. We need to see Christ. That's why we need to be looking at him and looking for him. Then it said, and the express image of his person. You want to know what, who God and what God is? Find out about Jesus. Brother, you look at him, you find him. He said, I and the Father are one. Amen. So it says, and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. He speaks and it happens. He said in the beginning over there, God created the heaven and the earth. And he goes on down to say, and God said, and God said, and God said, all through that first chapter of the book of Genesis. And when God said, it happened. God said, let there be light, and there was light. 
Amen. God didn't have to mix anything. He didn't have to put things together, form chemicals to do something. He just spoke it into existence. Thank God, what a God. Now, man can't understand that today. Now, uh, we preached or talked about that last Sunday morning. Then it says, as a comma after that word power, and you know I'm one of these preachers, and I'll go over it again this morning. I go by punctuation in the Word of God. Who be in the brightness of His glory. That's number one. A statement number one out of verse three. There's a comma. That means more coming. And the express image of His person. There's a comma. And that means something else. That's two things. The second thing now is the, and the, he's the express image of his person. And the third thing is, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Now you can use that as a three-point outline if you want to. I'm not an outline preacher. But I do look at the word of God. There's three things. He's the brightness of the, of the glory of God. He's the express image of, of, of his person. Uh, that means God. He's the express image of God. And he's upholding all things by the word of his power. That's three things Jesus does. Now listen to me because I'm lit, headed somewhere and I want you to look at this. And then we find that there's another thing. Comma. That means uh, there's something else coming. And it said, when he had by himself what? Purged our sins. There's another comma sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So what do we find? Five different statements in verse number three. And every one of them statements will preach. I'll guarantee you. You can preach a long time on them. So I'm going to deal with the last two statements. We have dealt with the first three in chapter one in verse three last week. Now today I'm going to deal with these last two. Number one is when he had by himself purged our sins. He didn't have to have no help. He did it by him what? Self. Amen. When man ever realizes that God purged us from our sins and we don't have to help him do that, it'll help us a whole lot. And people accept it. See, my salvation is not in me. It's not in persons and things. It's in one God, which is Jesus Christ, my salvation is in Him, and in Him there is no other salvation. Amen. He purged me. Now, what's that word purged mean? That word purged means removed. Means He got rid of my sin. That means He's eradicated the sin out of my life. Now, uh, when he, he took it away, in other words, you become a, a, a child of God, you get out of the sinning business. When God moved in my heart, and that's been a long time back, he kicked the devil out and ain't let him back. I appreciate that. I, I'm glad God put a no trespassing on my heart. Now he's danced around the door of my heart. He's danced around my head to try to get me in or get me out. But I'll tell you this thing. God has took up his abode in my heart. And the Bible said, by the word of his power, in the, the third statement of verse number three, he's upholding all things by the word of his power. I'm kept by the power of God. That's another verse in scripture. And he says this. Now he says, when he had by himself purged our sins. He purged them. He got rid of them. He cleansed them. He didn't whitewash me. He didn't Clorox me. 
Amen. He washed me. Amen. By his blood. Amen. The blood of Christ will solve anything. I guarantee you that this morning. He had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, I asked you last week, did you know where God's throne is? You remember we talked about that. He's in the sides of the north. We read that out of the Word of God. Two verses of Scripture tells us that in the Bible. Two people tells us that. God says uh, in Psalms, David uh, given us that in the sides of the north, the city of the great king, Psalms 48, which God tells us that his throne is in the sides of the north. or tells that's where, the, where God dwells. And then in Isaiah, the devil said, I will, I will go up to the sides of the north and I'll take God's throne. He didn't say it exactly like that, but he said, I'm going to the sides of the north. And he made in his mind that he was going to defeat God and put him there. And he's been trying to do that ever since. And he's failed. But he recognizes where the throne of God is. Amen. Somebody said, well, what can I say when the sides of the Lord just say out of this world? Praise God. God's not in this world. Amen. Like you and me. We are, he's indwelling the saints of God with the Spirit of God. And we have the Word of God that still abides with us today. Right? Amen. Amen. But uh, we look at this. And I want to go back and I started on this last week and I didn't finish it. In the Old Testament economy or the Old Testament Bible... And I sure do love to study it. I preach out, out of the Old Testament as much as I do out of the New Testament. Uh, maybe more. I don't know because they both work together. I've had a fellow tell me one time, said, you're, you're, you're wrong. You ought to preach out of the uh, New Testament. Get out of that Old Testament because this is a New Testament age. This is a New Testament church. I was passing that church and he said, this is a New Testament church. Sure it is. Amen. You didn't see it in the Old Testament. God, this is a brand new thing. God imposed upon us in the day of grace. The Jews didn't see the church in the Old Testament. They were God's chosen and they were under their own economy with the law and they tried to get to, of course they're saved by faith every time they offered an animal. They believed God. Abraham believed God and his counted unto him for righteousness and he kept looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. Yes sir. And he went out one day not knowing where he went and that's what he's looking for. He told his wife, let's go. I'm sure she said, where? And he said, don't know, just got to go. Imagine that today. Imagine a man telling his wife, we got to go, got to move. Where are we moving to? I don't know, we're going though. Amen. Women not all that uh, easy to accept things. But I'm saying to you, she did. She didn't even believe she was going to have a child. She laughed at God. Abraham didn't laugh. He didn't stagger in God's promises. He believed God. And God counted unto him right. You said, how do you know he believed God? God told him to take his son, offer him on, a, on an altar. I mean, it's got to be a man. Uh, he got to be kind of crazy to know he's going to offer his son up before God and taking all the stuff he's going to do it. I believe in my heart, you can believe what you want to, but I believe in my heart that Abraham knew that God would intervene. And if he didn't intervene, that he'd be in the perfect will of God because God told him to. That's why I love my Bible. God tells me to do something. I don't have to argue with him and shouldn't argue with him. I should do it. 
And if I mess up, God told me to do it. Now, there's a lot of people now today tell you that God told them to do something and God nowhere near it either. So I'm not going to get into that uh, little uh, thing this morning. But we find that in the Old Testament, God established a tabernacle. Now, I love to study the tabernacle and all the pieces of furniture in the tabernacle. And I've done a good study on that a few times and preached some of it. I haven't preached it all. There's a lot of it I haven't preached yet. But I'm working on it. Amen. There just ain't enough time in the day. Ain't just enough, enough congregations to tell it. Amen. I could stay busy 24-7 if I had the strength. That's right. Preaching the Word of God. And so uh, we talked about it. But here's what happened. They had three courts in that tabernacle. They had the inner court, which is called the holiest uh, of all, or the holy place. And inside that holy place, nobody went in there but the priest, the high priest. And he had to have blood and sprinkle on the mercy seat. And that's where the cherubim was, and that's where the Ark of the Covenant was, and that's where uh, the golden pot of manna was in there, uh, and, and all, all the stuff that God put into the Word of God, the Ten Commandments, and so forth. They were there. And uh, I'm not going to go into details of that, but nobody went in there but the high priest. Then coming out, I'm going backwards from what I normally do, and coming out before that, you had to come back other way through the veil and there was a veil in there and of course I am as I said going backwards I usually start out in the court there's a middle court in that middle court was a table of showbread uh, the seven golden candlestick and the altar of incense that was there stayed there the other priests had to keep the lamps all trimmed the other priests had to keep the table of showbread there had to keep it fresh and uh, the altar of incense they had to have the incense fixed and that was for a sweet smelling savor and eyes of God. Some of those represent food, some represent light, and others represent uh, communion with God. Uh, food, light, and prayer. Amen, if you look at it. So there, there they are in that middle court. And on the outer court, we find the uh, brazen laver where they offered the sacrifice and uh, washed themselves at the laver and then at the altar sacrificed and then went in Sprinkling, sprinkling the blood on all the pieces of furniture. Now the high priest, when he went in once a year to offer the sacrifice, he took that blood, he sprinkled it, he went behind the veil which nobody could go through except God allowed him to. And when he went in there, he'd done the sacrifice of, the, of sprinkling the blood and then came back out. And when he came back out, the Israelites could say, thank God, he's accepted and received our sacrifice. But nowhere in that tabernacle was there a chair. There was not a bed. There was not a place to sit. Because the priest's job was not finished. He had to continually work this. You don't sit down till you finish. Amen. Every child of God needs to see that. You don't sit down. Till you That's why I'm not going to retire. I may have to sit and preach, but there's a little difference in sitting and preaching and sitting down and quitting. <laughs> Amen. So here was, here's what happened. The Bible said here in Hebrews, and that's the reason I want to mention it to you. He said, when he had by himself purged our sins, 
sat down. You see that? On the right hand of the majesty on high. Where's Jesus at? He's on the right hand of God. Several times, even in the book of Revelation, other places, he sit down at the right hand of of the throne of God. That's where Jesus is now. Amen. Spirit of God dwells in me. I have the Lord dwelling with me too as well with the Word. This is the presence of God in my life. I can read it anytime I want to. The Holy Spirit indwells me. He speaks to me. He guides me. He directs me. He teaches me. He shows me. I don't know why in the world we don't know more about the Bible today. we got such a, a resource. we got... We got heaven's library right in front of us right here today. Praise God. We don't have to have encyclopedias of men. They don't know what they're talking about. Some of them have made some good uh, suggestions. I've made some good suggestions. I've helped some. Down, But God's Word is the only thing that can do anything good. That's why I rely on the Word of God totally. Nothing else. Uh, somebody said, well, old brother so-and-so told me I ought to do this. Well... Let me tell you, ask you this. Is old brother so-and-so authorized from heaven? Amen. Where did he get his information? He got it from God. Well, can't you go to God and find out if that's right? Sure. I'm praying the Spirit, and the Spirit will let me know. My, my Spirit will bear witness with the Spirit of God that I'm His. And my Spirit will bear the uh, witness with the Spirit of God that whether I, I'm in some, somebody said, but I have doubts doing it. If you got doubts, leave it alone. I, I always tell people, if you don't have a, a, a direct answer from God, leave it alone. Ain't going to do you no good. You got to be guided by the Word of God. You're not to be guided by me. You'll be guided by the Word of God. Amen. Now, if I'm teaching the Word, it's your responsibility to find out if it's real or not. That's why I tell everybody, bring a Bible, church. I want you to see what I'm saying. I don't want nobody to take my word for anything. Amen. No. Amen. I could be wrong. But when I'm right, you got to follow it. How do I know? You search it from the Scriptures. Search it. Amen. If the Word of God does not back up what I say, then you don't have no obligation to what I say. To do it. You understand what I'm trying to say? But you say, that preacher said something and I ain't so really sure about it. Well, if you're not sure about it, seek the face of God till you're sure. And if the preacher's wrong, leave it alone. Of course, uh, in this modern day, I've been accused of being wrong on lots of things, which I know are right. Amen. God told me to go down there and shoot that man. I know good and well that ain't right. Amen. I, done, I cussed that feller out and God told me to cuss him out. Uh, don't, you t- don't tell me that. God didn't tell you to do that. You understand what I'm saying? God gets blamed for a lot of things. And the preacher gets blamed for a lot of things. Well, I want to show something to you out of verse number three that's a, a real blessing just to think about for a minute. In chapter th- one, verse one, two, and three. Can anybody tell me who the central figure of them three verses are? Well, not necessarily. But yes. <laughs> that may sound like a, a contradiction. I don't know what I'm talking about. In verse number one, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times 
passed unto the fathers by the prophets. That's God. But now you've got to look at this. Verse number 2. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. Actually, God's telling us He's in charge. And he's also telling you that Him and Jesus are the same. Amen. You remember I've always said that I'm a, I'm a Trinitarian. I don't like that word, but uh, uh, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. But I believe in the triune Godhead. I believe there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. I honestly believe that. I don't, I don't doubt that one bit. I don't understand that to the fullest. Can you understand God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost being the same? Can you really comprehend and understand that? Three persons, one God. I understand it to a degree. By a husband and wife, God said these two shall be one flesh. These two. Now, a woman and a man's two different entities. And uh, you can only take a type so far. Amen. They're one. That's the way the world carries them. Amen is one. That's the way God calls them is one. He told Adam, these, he said, you two will be one flesh. So they're one. I don't understand it. God put that in the Bible. Let us see that a little bit, I believe, to understand it. But I know what God said, what the Lord said when he went out and told the church to go into all parts of the world, preach, teach, and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Did he not? It's there. So God recognized it. I recognize when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, uh, he came up, up out of the water. That means he had been down in it, so he come up out of the water. Sprinkling won't do it. So he come up out of the water. And Jesus didn't get baptized to be saved because he was never lost. So I said, oh, Jesus was lost and had to get, uh, he had to get baptized because he had gotten saved. Well, I'll, I'll I'll accept that if you'll show me the scriptures. I can't find them. I've looked for that myself. But anyhow, what's happened is he he baptized him. He came, or John the Baptist did. He came up out of the water, and then we find the dove coming down out of heaven. The sun is standing there. God, the sun is standing there. He just come out of the water. And then a dove come down out of heaven, which is a type of the Holy Spirit, and lit upon his shoulder. So we find God the Son uh, and God the Spirit. And then a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So you find a trinity. God laid that plan out. I didn't. You hear me? So I've been preaching. Now he didn't say it's a trinity. God didn't say this is the this is the doctrine of the trinity. This is this is the doctrine of three persons, one God. He didn't have to. He put it in plain terms. See, a lot of people today have problems with the word trinity. I, I run into as I'll say something. I believe in the trinity, don't you? And they'll say trinity is not in the Bible. And then I say okay. I understand who I'm talking to, so I just back down. I get in granny gear. And I start, that's how I do it. Just get in granny gear. I got to, I got to change gears and start at a lower level. Amen. We ain't all on the same level, ladies and gentlemen. My IQ ain't the same as yours, and yours ain't 
same as mine. Amen. You're working on it. Amen. I'm working on mine to get up to where you are. I'll get there one of these days maybe. It'll be on the other side. Because there's one time in my life, a few times I have thought it. But there's one time it'll be. It's been a few times I thought I knowed a whole lot and knowed much till I run into somebody that didn't know nothing. I mean, knowed everything just about it. And I found out I didn't know anything. But there's going to be a time one of these days in glory, I'll never be asked any question of the Bible. And that's when I get over in glory. You said, how come? Because you're going to know it too. Somebody said, well, I know this when I get to heaven. I keep hearing people say that to me and I say, will you know less when you get to heaven or will you know more? I don't know. You're going where perfect wisdom is, perfect knowledge is. You think you're going to know less? Hey, I'll tell you right now, you talk to the saints of God over in glory this morning and I'll guarantee you they know all about it today. Some of the questions you still got down here, they know the answers to them. Matter of fact, they might not even want to discuss it. They'll just say it's trivial anyhow. Because they done seen far more than you've ever thought about seeing. Amen. Amen. Just think about that a minute. But in verse number 2, he talks about God the Son. He said, unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. He's talking about Christ. Now verse 3. Now here's what God is saying. Who being the brightness of his glory. He's talking about Christ. And the express image of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins. Sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now if you want to be technical and get down to it. God is involved in this. Because Christ is God. And God is Christ. But the one that's the predominant figure in the first three verses of Hebrews 1 is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's number one. And God is bragging on His Son. Amen. Have you ever seen a mother or a daddy they got a son, a daughter, and they love them to death? Oh, you, you can't help but love your youngins. I don't care what to do. I hear Back when mine was younger, uh, not my boys. My boys never did do this, but my daughter would say, Daddy, I hope you don't hate me, but I just had this or I just done that. And I said, Honey, I'll never get to where I don't love you. You might not be top on the list today, but I'll never get to where I won't love you. I'll always love you. Ain't that right? I don't care what to do. So love in this modern day, people think it's what you do. The more you do for somebody, the more you love them. Or, and that basically is right. But what I'm trying to say this, sometimes I've heard parents say, well, my boy, I love him to death, but uh, he's got a bad mouth. My son, I love him to death, but he's got a bad temper. I love her to death, talking about a daughter, but she's... Just all mouth. And you say thing. Or she don't uh, be she not considered she's selfish or something. Name me one place in my entire Bible, in your entire Bible, that you ever heard God say one thing 
one thing, one thing about and against the Lord Jesus. No, you won't find it. He's always lifted him high because he's God and all three are perfect. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost never sinned, never have any sin, never done anything to be rebuked over. Have you ever read in the Word of God where God rebukes Jesus? Have you ever read in the Word of God where God reject, uh, rebukes the Holy Spirit? Have you ever seen where the Spirit rebukes Jesus? Have you ever seen where Jesus rebuked the Father? Have you ever seen the Father rebuke Christ or rebuke the Spirit? No. So what we got is a perfect Godhead. Now that's why Hebrews is in the book. He's surpassing him for all of the sacrifices. Praise God, you said, where'd you get all that on my knees? Praying, seeking the face of God and the Word of God. Amen. You ain't got a commentary that'll tell you that. Amen. It'll take the hand of God to show you these things. But God loves His Son. And God loves you. Have you ever seen a time when God said, I'm not too happy with Jesus? And it goes all the way through on all the Godhead. Certainly. They don't. Did you ever see, have you ever read in the Word of God where God disagreed with Jesus? Have you ever read where Jesus ever disagreed with the Spirit or God the Spirit or Spirit uh, disagreed with, with God the Father? And you can take all the scenarios on that. No. They all have agreed 24-7 all the ages. Amen. Now I can say this. All the billions of years back under that man, that God, excuse me, that man likes to say man's been around. Only one I can name that's got billions and billions behind his uh, existence is God. Somebody said, what about them being around for 10 billion years? Amen. Well, you deal with that with God. I'll just take my Bible and show you. I can take man back 6,000 years, and that's as far back as I can go with it. And anything else is just imaginary. I can't find no Bible in the rest of it. I can't find Bible on it. I leave it alone. Amen. Uh, I've got a list. I'm going to check them off when I get to glory. Uh, I ain't even going to remind myself of them then either because I'll step into glory knowing it. That's hard to believe. That's beyond my imagination. I can't comprehend it. I can't comprehend this Bible. It's bigger than me. No wonder David said it's higher than I. He's talking about the rock and he says higher than I. My mind is boggled and I can't comprehend the fullness of God today. Now, I want to go to one more verse here and I want to start on this fourth verse. And I want to show you what Hebrews is in. And he's setting it out as with a Godhead. And uh, in the title of my Bible, and I got a, I got uh, a Bible, some, you know, everybody puts their little ideas in there. It's not Scripture. This is not Scripture, but it's in my Bible. And I don't want you to sit at the head of the first chapter of Hebrews or not, but mine's got a little title on part one. 
I don't know whether you got that or not. I'm not trying to interest you too much in this because it's the words of man. It's not the words of God. But it says the great salvation. Well, I have to say, amen. It is a great salvation. And they're trying to tell you what Hebrews is wrote for. Whether they know what they're talking about or not, you discuss that. Decide. But then it's got a little one down under there, and it said the son better than the prophets. I don't know where you got that in your Bible or not, but what what I'm trying to tell you is, and I, I follow, I didn't read that to get you to really get deep with that. I just want you to get on the Word of God. But actually, verse 1, verse 2, and verse 3 is comparing uh, the prophets uh, with the men of God and with these latter days with the Son of God. And He's telling us, and God is doing it, He's telling us that He's greater than all or any or everything. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's the central theme of my Bible is Jesus. So the central theme of the Old Testament is Christ. He's not mentioned as Christ in the Old Testament. But the central figure is there because he's always pointed. Isaiah 53, he's coming. Uh, Isaiah 6, 9 and 6 says he's coming. I read in the Word of God where the Messiah is going to be seen. Messiah is Christ, of course. And he's prophesied all the way through. So the central figure of the Old Testament is portrayed as Christ because he's the coming Messiah, the coming sacrifice. So we get down here in verse number 4, and you'll see what I'm talking about played out. In verse number 4 of Hebrews 1, it says, being made so much better than the angels. Amen. You know what? People would jump up and down if an angel, and they saw an angel come in and sit down in the church today, and they noticed an angel. They'd go wild, crazy. But Jesus could probably come in here today and nobody pay much attention to him. They rejected him the first time he come, they'll do it again. But angels, woo, I just saw an angel. But the Lord God in heaven tells us this morning that Jesus is much better than the angels. Why is that? Angels are created beings. Somebody had to create them. Can I ask you who it was? All right. You understand what I'm saying? So let's look to the height and top. So Hebrews is starting off with the sun, and he's exalting the sun higher than anybody or anything upon this earth. And then when we get to verse number 4, he said he's even better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. What has the angels ever done for you in your redemption? Nothing. The Bible teaches us that angels are important beings. The Bible teaches us that angels are ministering spirits. They are sent forth. I read in the Bible where angels appeared. They've come to man upon the earth. I read in the one place in the Bible that one angel came down and, and destroyed a hundred and killed 185,000 people, men. They're strong. They're great. They're mighty. 
but they're not mightier than He. Amen. I got somebody dwelling in me this morning, and that's where Christ is. It's hard for me to comprehend that He's seated to the right hand of the Father, yet dwelling in my heart through the person of the Holy Spirit. That comprehend, I mean, that beyond comprehension, ain't it? Woo! I mean, that's, that's deep stuff. Hard to comprehend all this. It's hard for this little peanut brain to comprehend all the mighty things of God this morning. But I'm glad it's there. Amen. I'm glad it's there. Praise His name. So I'm going to quit with verse 4 this morning. But I want to say a little bit more. It said, Being made so much better than the angels, as He hath by inheritance. Amen. Amen. We're looking at this. Obtained a more excellent name than they. Christ has inherited that. How did he inherit it? He gave himself. He's done give it to us. In verse 3, he purged us of our sins. Angels has not purged us of our sins. Amen. You know why they couldn't purge us of our sins? They don't even know what sin is. Somebody said angels sin. Well, some did, but they've been cast out. But angels don't know what it is. That's the reason we're going to sing a song that the angels won't sing when we get to glory. We can sing, we've been redeemed. They don't know nothing about redemption. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I'll quit right there before we go to preaching. But I'm telling you that God has manifested Himself here in this book of Hebrews. Now you see why I believe we got in the book of Hebrews. We're learning things we need to see. No, most of these you already know. Just bring them to your remembrance. And I appreciate that. So we do give God the praise for it. Let's ask God's guidance and, uh, and then we'll get into regular service this morning. Father, touch us. Thank you, Lord, for the liberty we have in teaching and preaching the Word of God. I pray you'd challenge our heart with it, strengthen our soul. May we, Lord, lift you up and exalt you. May, Lord, you get the glory out of everything we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.